This is the Trophy Room, aka Trophy Room Radio. I am your host, Brett Hammer, wherever you are on this wonderful Wednesday. Thank you for making me a part of your day. Coming up, one team is subtly getting no respect from their own arena. My mock draft is ready to get you hyped and ready for tomorrow night. And the second most drawn-out story in recent NFL history has finally come to an end. Also, what the heck is an S2 test and why is it tanking one quarterback stock? That is all coming up. But as you know, it is way too hard to buy quality graphic tees these days. If you look it up on, all you get is sketchy third-party products on Etsy and eBay, and none of it's real. Game Changers is throwing a wrench into all of that. Game Changers is a real company that puts real quality in the phrase. You get what you pay for. They make high-end quality shirts with all your favorite NBA and NFL teams and players, as well as rappers and other culture icons. If you ever go to GameChangers.LA, you can use promo code HAMMERTIME23 for $10 off. No minimum order required. Capital H, Hammer Time 2-3 for $10 off. Go ahead, give me a follow on Instagram and TikTok at Time. That's two E's at the end instead of one. Thanks so much for hanging out, guys. I am so ready for today. I think I would be willing to argue that the NFL draft is the best non-athletic competition sporting event that exists. Wouldn't you agree? I also just want to make this known. We had this conversation a few weeks ago, but I want to make the point again. For every one of you, Luke, Jackson, all of you who are, are under the assumption that shows like Love is Blind, shows like The Bachelor are stupid, I just want to remind you that, and and the there's no better example of this than the NFL draft, but Look, it doesn't have to affect you. I'm not saying you have to go watch reality television, but just accept this point. Sports, the NFL draft absolutely qualifies. Is reality television targeted at men? Hard Knocks is like branded reality television for men, but sports is reality television for men. Like, the NFL draft is no better example than that. Like, it's almost like... uh, I don't know. It's similar to the rose ceremony. You know, some people get a rose. Some people's draft stock falls. Some people don't perform well at the combine, a.k.a. the cocktail party. And therefore, they slip a little bit. So, for all of you who hate on The Bachelor and some of my entertainment, I just want you all to be reminded of such. But, before we get into any story, before we get into the S2 test, which I actually found really interesting when I was doing research about, so I'll get you up to all of that. Before we get into Aaron Rodgers finally being a Jet, let's go through this. Let's do my mock draft. I have zero connection to any of these teams. I'm not going to act like a big dog. But from what I've read, from what makes sense, this is what I think. And just a disclaimer, I don't even care how this makes me look. I don't know anything about offensive linemen. I just know which ones look good or which ones they tell me are good. So I, I just went straight to chalk with the two guys in my mock draft who are taking M, a offensive lineman. And I'm not going to break it down for you that much because it just is what it is. So here's my NFL mock draft for 2023. I did the top 13 picks because I feel like after that, it's not that interesting. There's no trades involved. Everything is straight chalk. But we did have one trade yesterday. The Packers swapped picks with the Jets. 
So now, in my mock draft, I do the top 13 teams. The Packers have the 13th pick instead of the Jets. And that one's fun for a number of reasons, which we will get to. Okay. With the first overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select quarterback Alabama Bryce Young. I think this one makes the most sense. I heard an interesting point yesterday that I don't necessarily agree with, but I could see other people making the argument. If you just go back and watch Bryce Young, can you tell that he's not six foot? Can you tell how much he weighs? I would argue, yeah, because when I watched him play, I remember thinking this guy is small. But maybe for some of you, that's not the case. And maybe the only reason, maybe it's a similar uh, situation to Kenny Pickett where you never would have thought about the size of his hands unless someone told you, which is true. Maybe you didn't think much about Bryce Young's size until they made a big deal about it. I always thought he was small. That being said, I think is the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes that we've seen just in terms of how creative he is, how mobile he is, and the ability to be mobile but not give up on the pass I think is an incredible talent. It's what the Panthers need. They haven't gotten the quarterback right since Cam Newton was drafted back in 2011. So Bryce Young is the number one pick to the Carolina Panthers. And what I love about the draft is that sometimes with my homework what I'll do is if I know I have a harder assignment, something more difficult, I'll push that towards the end. I'll do the easy stuff first. So there were some picks in this draft that I said, well, I'll just pick these guys down here and then I'll come back. And it really doesn't work that way because if a guy's off the board, you can't grab it. But that's not the case because at number two, the Houston Texans select Will Anderson, defensive end, Alabama. This one, I think, makes a lot of sense. You have a new defensive head coach in D'Amico Ryans. The Texans really don't have a ton going for them on defense. The offense was actually way better last season than people want to admit. Davis Mills, the guy who'll give you 16 touchdowns, 3,000 yards passing. Obviously, the offense needs to be revamped, but the defense, frankly, couldn't keep the offense in games. So I think the Texans will go, especially with, the crazy talks surrounding Will Levis and C.J. Stroud and some of these other quarterbacks, I think the Texans are going to play it safe and go with Will Anderson at two. And fun fact, just as a little tease, in my mock draft, and you'll see why this makes sense, but C.J. Stroud doesn't get drafted in the top ten. And again, you'll see why this makes sense. At number three, the Arizona Cardinals... Select Tyree Wilson, defensive end, Texas. So there's a number of reasons for this pick, and none of them have anything to do with football. I think Tyree Wilson's great. I think Jalen Carter's better. But uh, actually, is Tyree Wilson, I believe, is he's Texas Tech. That may be the case. I might be an idiot. There's two edge rushers in this draft, and they're both incredible. Yes. I apologize. That's my bad. Tyree Wilson is Texas Tech. I'm thinking of somebody else. Tyree Wilson is the one who I have the Cardinals drafting because they're not going to go out and get Jalen Carter, even though all things considered, especially with what the teams have said post-interviews, the off-the-field stuff doesn't bother them that much. But again, it is an issue. And if we're being honest about the Arizona Cardinals, their PR has sucked recently. 
between um, their swaps of GMs, their GMs going back and forth with one calling the other a terrible father. And then you have Kyler Murray who can't seem to get on the field and doesn't seem to want to. You have a number of other issues. I think the Cardinals are going to say we are too scared to touch Jalen Carter, even though respectively he doesn't have that many issues. And Tyree Wilson is certainly a great uh, pass rusher. So they're going to, and they just lost JJ Watt. The defense is as solid as it gets in Arizona. When you have Buda Baker, you have Isaiah, um, Isaiah Simmons, you lose JJ Watt. You put in Tyree Wilson. I think the Cardinals defense is going to be locked up and they're going to go with Tyree Wilson in order to avoid, avoid any kind of PR issue. Number four, the Indianapolis Colts select one quarterback from the University of Kentucky. That would be Will Levis. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't love this pick, but I told you on Monday, this mock draft is not what I would do if I was these teams. It's what I think these teams will do. I think in life, you can have, I mean, you look at yourself. You're probably great at a lot of things, but for some reason, there's something that when the coin flip comes, you tend to always pick the wrong one. I like the Colts. I think they're great. I love Chris Ballard as the GM. I like what they are trying to do with the offensive line. I actually thought Jeff Saturday was a decent head coach even though obviously he's not there anymore. I like the Colts, but their blind spot, Chris Ballard's blind spot ever since getting Andrew Luck has been being way too bullish on quarterbacks and they're going to go get Will Levis. I don't know that Will Levis is that good of an NFL quarterback. I feel like he's not going to be that much better, quite frankly, than anyone else you already have slash had there. Like I, I mean, yes, probably better than Carson Wentz, but probably just as good as Matt Ryan or Phillip Rivers. If we're being 100% honest. So I don't love Will Levis. And more, there is a story on Will Levis that's floating around draft rooms right now. So we'll get to that in a second. But I do think, and I told you this, we had this conversation a couple of times. I don't like this pick, but I think it's what the Colts will do. I think they'll take the quarterback out of Kentucky. Number five. Dallin, Drew, Andy. The Seattle Seahawks with the fifth overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft select Anthony Richardson. This one makes a lot of sense. And anytime, I'll just put this as a disclaimer, anytime guys draft exactly who they say they're going to draft, I'm a little bit shocked. Because especially with the draft when anyone, especially uh, unless you have the number one overall pick, which is funny because the number one overall pick, you can do whatever you want. But if you don't have the number one overall pick, you don't want to know what anyone, you don't want anyone to know what you're doing because then they might mess you up or might think that you know something they don't know. It sounds like for the last little bit that the Seahawks have wanted Anthony Richardson, I do think if they're feeling a little risky, they'll take Jalen Carter because I think that's actually what's best for them. Geno Smith is is good. He's solid. But the interior of that D-line in Seattle is really the biggest issue with the defense because they've gotten the secondary locked up. Linebackers are okay. But the interior 
of that D-line is what I think needs to be fixed in order to solidify the whole thing. But the Seahawks have said they want Anthony Richardson. He's sitting here at five in my mock draft, and the Seahawks are going to go and get him, which I think is perfect because we talked about on Monday. He's going to sit behind Geno Smith and say what you want about Geno Smith, but he is a professional, an absolute consummate professional and I think he'll teach Anthony Richardson a lot. He's Anthony Richardson said yesterday he wants to be a Hall of Famer. And to me, that's the biggest difference between Richardson being Josh Allen and Cam Newton is what does he want to do? What's he willing to do? And does he have the time to learn or does he have to play day one? I think the Seahawks make the most sense because really, if we look at this draft after the Panthers, Texans and Colts, who else really needs a quarterback? I won't spoil my mock draft for you, but Lions, they don't really need a quarterback. Raiders, maybe, but they just got Jimmy Garoppolo. Falcons, you could argue, but apparently they like see, uh, they like Desmond Ritter. Bears, say they're sticking with Justin Fields. Eagles, no. Titans, maybe, but at 11 doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Texans, maybe. Packers, probably not. So, there's that. At number six... The Detroit Lions select cornerback out of Oregon, Christian Gonzalez. Now, it seems like to me Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon, who are supposedly the top two corners in this draft, haven't received a ton of talk in the way that Derek Stingley and Sauce Gardner did last year. Especially when I think Keeley Ringo, the cornerback out of Georgia, maybe call me a homer, but I think he deserves more respect than he's getting. But... The Lions did just trade Jeff Akuda, who they were not absolutely in love with. The secondary is good, but they obviously have a hole to fill. Christian Gonzalez is sitting for them there for them at six. He's the best player available for what they need, and I think the Lions will go Christian Gonzalez. Now, we get to number seven. The Las Vegas Raiders select defensive tackle out of Georgia, one Jalen Carter. So I think Jalen Carter is going to be the biggest mystery in this draft because I can't remember a time. Obviously, we've had guys who went into the draft as the number one most talented, most valuable, biggest lock, whatever, with significant off-the-field issues. These off-the-field issues don't feel that significant, but because of the climate that we live in, people say, all right, well, I don't want to touch anything that I definitely shouldn't. So I think Jalen Carter is interesting because he could go to really any of these teams. Any of them could use him except for maybe the Colts. And it'll just be willing to see. It'll be interesting to see if someone decides to flip the script and go in on him. So the Raiders need a ton of help on defense. The offense is good. They did lose Darren Waller. So it would make sense for them to probably go out and grab another tight end because this is a loaded tight end draft. When you have guys like Michael Mayer and Darnold Washington, etc., but for what the value is, for where they are, Jalen Carter's still on the board at seven. You don't need to do anything crazy. This is the best pick for the Las Vegas Raiders. They're going to seal up the interior of that defensive line, and Jalen Carter's going to thrive in Las Vegas. At number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. So this one's interesting because, again, the best guys are gone at this point because Jalen Carter just went at seven, which means – the Falcons are looking, what's the best value for where we are right now? You could argue with me that they trade this pick, but again, I'm not doing trades in my mock draft. So at number eight, the Falcons select Devin Witherspoon, which 
I honestly don't love if I'm being honest, but from all of the mock drafts that I've looked at, it seems to be that the Falcons go out and get a cornerback at eight, whether it's Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. Different people feel differently. I think it'd be cool if the Falcons traded back and got Keeley Ringo later in the draft, get the Georgia Homer. However, that's way too high to draft Keeley Ringo. So, Falcons go out, they add Devin Witherspoon to a cornerback room with AJ Terrell, who's a young budding star, and Jeff Okuda, who may not be elite, but he's solid. Get your young offense some stops on defense, get them the football back. At number nine, so I, contrary to public belief, I feel like the Bears are starting to turn things around. Just a little bit. I think they're heading in the right direction. I feel like for the longest time they were stagnant and they were so or so emotionally up and down it was crazy. But it seems that Ryan Pace really is just buying in all in on Justin Fields. And I think in order to do that, you go the best option, which is take the Midwest kid. Take the sometime this the somehow hometown pick and go with Paris Johnson, offensive tackle out of Ohio State. They like Justin Fields. They are claiming to believe in him. They didn't trade him when some people thought they might do a swap for Lamar Jackson. Protect him. Allow him to develop as a passer. He's the best quarter. Or he's the best prospect available at nine. Paris Johnson's the pick for the Chicago Bears. Number ten, the Eagles. So this one, I, there's the. Let me tell you where I have. I have Bijan Robinson going to the Eagles at ten. I don't think this actually happens because, um, for the life of me, cannot remember the Eagles GM who I mention all the time. But they don't make stupid picks in the draft. They just don't, and they also don't reach for guys in the draft. And I think Bijan Robinson's great. But there are a lot of scouts and GMs who will tell you that they believe Jameer Gibbs is just as good. I think there's a trade here because I don't think the Eagles need anything here. And I think you can get a running back later in the draft and maybe pick up another second round, third round pick somewhere. Because somebody will be desperate enough to move up and grab him at 10. So, 10, I have the Eagles taking Bijan Robinson. If they do make that pick, it makes a lot of sense because if we're being honest, what else do they need? Linebackers maybe after losing um, or edge rushers after losing Hassan Reddick. Fletcher Cox is getting a little bit older, but there's no one here at 10 that makes sense for them to go out and get. Bijan Robinson is arguably one of the best prospects in this class, irrespective of him being a running back. So I think the Eagles will go out and take either Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs after losing Miles Sanders. At 11, the Tennessee Titans. They just cut Taylor Luan, who they thought was going to be their Long-time stud at left tackle. He couldn't stay healthy. So I think the Titans go ahead and take the offensive tackle out of Northwestern, Peter Skaronsky. Everyone in this draft seems to love him. All these teams do. There's plenty of guys who want to take him. He's sitting there for the Titans. I don't know that they necessarily know what they want to do, especially with what's up in the air with the Derrick Henry shopping around that was recently discussed and then also Ryan Tannehill may not be the quarterback there anymore. They don't seem to know what they want to do, but Peter Skaronsky, offensive line's a safe pick, especially after you lose Taylor Wan. He can help everybody, so the Titans take offensive line at 11. Number 12, so you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, 
Brett, CJ Stroud is still on the board. Why has no one taken him? Well, we'll get to that in a second. I don't think it's that crazy, but and I'm not even making this up, but I, but I said to you early, like, look at this. If we look at this draft, after the Panthers, who got a quarterback, the Colts got a quarterback, and the Seahawks, they love Anthony Richardson. They don't love, they don't need a quarterback. Like, who else is taking a quarterback? The Raiders, maybe, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo is good enough that you take the best guy in the draft and Jalen Carter at seven. So now you're saying, Okay, Brett, well, do the Texans take C.J. Stroud? He's fallen out of the top 10 for a guy that some people had going number one overall. At number 12, the Houston Texans select C.J. Stroud. Now, I actually like C.J. Stroud more than I think the general consensus would say that they love him, especially with the Vegas odds on him going down. I like C.J. Stroud for a number of reasons. I think D'Amico Ryans, if you're a defensive head coach, you don't want a guy who may be an Anthony Richardson-esque guy where he'll just take off and make the plays on his own because while that's great, sometimes mistakes come that way. D'Amico Ryans is a new head coach. He's a defensive head coach. He wants to play safe football. And C.J. Stroud seems like the guy after Bryce Young in this quarterback class that is going to do it. At number 12, they get a steal. They get C.J. Stroud. Number 13, here's the last pick of my mock draft. And this one's just to be petty. But let's be honest, when a relationship ends poorly, you look at the other side and you say, well, I want to win, right? So the Packers got this draft pick yesterday after swapping with the Jets. The Jets reportedly want Jackson Smith and Jigba, which makes sense after losing a couple of guys. And yes, they signed Randall Cobb, but... That's more for Aaron Rodgers than I think it is to be their long-term receiver, especially considered he's in his 30s. The Packers know the Jets want Jackson Smith and Jigba. They want to give Aaron Rodgers a little rub on the way out, so they go ahead, they help Jordan Love out, and they pick up Jackson Smith and Jigba because they know who that's who the Jets want. I mean, you tell me. I don't think that's an unreasonable mock draft, and... Yes, I looked at other mock drafts, but I don't think anybody has a mock draft that looks exactly like mine. If you're wondering if I just copy and pasted one, I did not. I think this makes sense. So, Panthers, Bryce Young, Texans, Will Anderson, Cardinals, Tyree Wilson, Colts, Will Levis, Seahawks, Anthony Richardson, Six, Lions, Christian Gonzalez, Raiders, Jalen Carter, Falcons, Devin Weatherspoon, Nine, Bears, Paris Johnson, Eagles, Bijan Robinson, assuming they don't trade, 11 Titans, Peter Skaronsky, 12 Texans, CJ Stroud, 13 Packers, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, the receiver out of Ohio State. So, I know that was a long segment. I think that was like 18 minutes of just a mock draft, but, you know, I think that's like one to two minutes per pick, which I think is a pretty good breakdown. Um, yeah, and if you're listening to this on Thursday, awesome. You're getting even more ready for the draft. And if you listen to this on Friday, then you can just tell me that my mock draft went perfectly because I know that it did. But speaking of the beef and the rift between the Packers and the Jets, Aaron Rodgers is finally in New York. I don't know if you guys remember, but right when COVID started, I think, maybe I can't remember if it was during COVID or not. But I remember 
first take, I think it was COVID, first take every single day, they would run the same graphic in. It would say Dak and Cheese. And somehow we spent what felt like an entire two years talking about whether or not Dak Prescott was being going to get paid. Obviously, I'm being hyperbolic. But the point remains, it's crazy that this thing took this long because we thought this thing was getting done a month ago when Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show and there was going to be the big announcement. And then he said, well, I intend to play for the Jets, but that's really all this is right now. But it's confusing. This is what I think happened because... You would think if the Packers were going to wait for the draft to force a deal to get done, you would think the Packers would get more of what they wanted. And it seems like the Packers thought they had more leverage than they did. I thought they had more leverage than they did, but if this is the deal they came out with where all they got was a pick swap and they moved a couple spots up, that feels like exactly what the Jets wanted from the beginning. Even though I do think Aaron Rodgers is a say what you want, you know what he is in the NFL. He's a four-time MVP. He's better than any quarterback that the Jets could have drafted. He's a lock. So I don't know, but I just thought the Packers would have been able to get more. The Jets, I think, won the trade because they didn't have to give up that much. They gave up. They have a conditional pick that allows to. That will turn into a first-round pick for the Packers if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps. If not, it's a second-round pick. I don't love this trade, though. For a number of reasons. The first one being last year was the first time the Packers really felt super young. And it did not go well for the Packers. You had Aaron Rodgers calling out receivers publicly in post-game pressers, which I felt like was a little inappropriate. You had miscommunication with those same receivers. You had Aaron Rodgers not showing up to OTAs, trying to skip training camp. And I just wonder, and all of that is in Green Bay. That's home field advantage for you. The media has to appeal to you. They have to uh, give you whatever you want because they need information from you. And I don't know if he's not aware of this, but that's not the case in New York. They will not cater to you just for the sake of catering to you because the media holds more sway there than you do. So Aaron Rodgers is not going to be able to control every story. I think that's going to be hard for him. I think, again, that's what held up this deal. The Jets are a little worried that Aaron Rodgers... They don't know completely what they're getting emotionally with him. And I'm worried that this is not going to go as well as they think it will. I think it'll start like the last two seasons had did with the Packers where first three games do not look good for New York. or for Well, they will not look good for New York as they did not look good for Green Bay. But all things considered, I mean, tell me where the hole is on this roster. If Aaron Rodgers pans out, if he works with these younger guys... And all these guys are young. It's one of the youngest teams in the league. 
I think the Jets are a certified playoff team. I think they can win their own division, but we will see. Um, This is a weird story that we have next, and that is Reddit. I know. Now, I tend to trust Vegas more than teams because Vegas only do what's interest in the interest of their money, whereas teams will do what's in the best interest of them but has nothing to do with the public and they can lie as much as they want. Vegas can't manipulate to the same extent because they're putting the odds out for you. Apparently, this Reddit post of... Will Levis telling his family that he's going to go to Carolina. Apparently, he's been told he's going to Carolina, according to this Reddit post, which I get is confusing, has moved the odds in Vegas, which makes me think that they... Just because there's correlation doesn't mean there's causation. I think there's correlation, but this is what I think. I, I think Vegas is more tied in than anyone because, again, it affects their money, so they have every motivation to be 100% correct because otherwise they lose money, and that's the last thing that Vegas wants. This is what I think. I think that Vegas already knew about some of these rumors, and they moved the odds in a similar time. I don't think they intended to coincide with the Reddit post. But if you're trying to tell me that Vegas moved their odds because of something that someone said on Reddit who claims to be in Will Levis's inner circle or connected to him, that's outlandish to me. So I think Vegas already knew. I think it was just a little correlation, but I do not think it was causation. That being said, I think there's no way that Will Levis goes to the Panthers at one. This sounds like a smokescreen, a little draft day fun to me. But that's where I'm at. Okay, so now we get to the most interesting story, and I'm sorry that some of these stories have gone a little long. I know we haven't talked about any NBA, and there were some fun playoff games on last night. Actually, all of the games were fun last night. All of them were close. But let's talk about this S2 test, because the story out yesterday and today is that apparently, what you saw in my mock draft, CJ Stroud is sliding down draft boards because... He scored an 18% on his S2 cognition test. Now, the S2 cognition test, it's a Nashville-based company. Um, you've probably heard of the Wonderlick test that it's uh, the NFL also used to give. The Wonderlick test was, uh, it was a paper test. It was multiple choice, that kind of thing. Um, the S2 cognition test, I don't know if you've ever had like, if you've ever had a concussion you have to go and work and, and they have you play like these little puzzle reaction type games. That's more of what the S2 cognition test is. It's more of these puzzle type deals, these reaction type things. It's more interactive than the Wonderlick test. So just for reference, CJ Stroud scored an 18 on this test. Bryce Young scored a 98, Will Levis scored a 93, Jaron Hall scored a 93, Anthony Richardson scored a 79, Hendon Hooker scored a 46, and CJ Stroud scored an 18. Now, what they will tell you is, again, they've only been doing this for the last seven years. So, there's not, 
a huge sample size for this yet. But what they will tell you is that guys who score on, there's never been someone successful in the last seven years who scored under a 72, 73%. And just to give you context, um, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen both scored near the top of the pack. Joe Burrow scored in the 97th percentile. Justin Herbert didn't take it. I looked for his. He didn't take it, but I imagine he probably would have scored high. But people are saying no one's ever been successful in the NFL who scored below the 70s. Even Brock Purdy. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Even Brock Purdy. Sorry, I forgot about this. He scored in the mid-90s. Now, they don't always release all of these scores, so you have to get certain sources to release them. So we don't have perfect numbers on all these. It's a private test. Some of these guys release their numbers publicly. I don't know how we got CJ Stroud's numbers, but we know that it's 18. But yeah, even Brock Purdy scored in the mid-90s. So this is a phrase you'll hear me say a lot. Nothing is everything, but everything is something. If you have guys like Brock Purdy, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, who all really weren't that highly touted in the draft at all, and they've all been successful, and they all scored toward the top of the pack in the 90s, that obviously means something. Here's what I think. Some people don't play those games well. Like, if you're just playing them as a game, not even as a test, some people just don't handle them well. And also, you're telling me that just... I mean, let's go back and and talk about the Georgia game. Georgia's defense was about as good as it comes... And C.J. Stroud seemed to process information, which is what the S2 cognition test is aimed at doing, is how fast, how accurately do you process information. And I would argue that Georgia game told you everything you needed to know. Now, the thing with Ohio State quarterbacks is people always want to say, well, these guys have their patterns drawn up for them. They don't really have to process information that well because the scheme is that easy to read. Maybe, maybe not. I will say, outside of Justin Fields, and he hasn't been that successful, we don't have a huge sample size of great Ohio State NFL quarterbacks. But 18% to me looks like he just didn't care about the test that much. Because 18%, look, I mean, I remember kids at my high school who every now and then would get an 18%. Not because they were stupid. They just didn't care to take the test. I have a hard time believing that CJ Stroud is just that dumb that he's so far away from everybody else that he bombed this test in astronomical proportions. What a lot of guys will tell you is, yeah, he scored low, but the tape speaks for itself and speaks better than, frankly, most other guys' tape. So... Do what you want with that information. I think it's something. I don't think it's everything. Again, if we have a if we had a larger, more exact sample size for this S2 cognition test, I'd say sure, but we really don't. So that being said, yeah, could CJ Stroud slip to 12 like he did in my mock draft? For sure, because there are other guys that are more of a lock, and quarterback is such a big swing. I think it's possible that CJ Stroud's a miss. I doubt it. But if he slipped tomorrow on draft night, I would not be shocked. Um, 
last NFL thing, and this is just one more draft prediction. I think Hooker or Duggan have the chance to have the best chance to be the most successful quarterbacks in this draft. Because outside of Joe Burrow, who went to a losing franchise, turned it around and went to a Super Bowl. Most guys don't do that. And I don't think Joe Burrow gets enough credit for that, but he's not the story. Josh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, both slipped to good teams, thrived. Kirk Cousins fell to a good team, thrived. Dak Prescott fell to a good team, thrived. I think Hooker and Duggan are both falling to good teams. I really thought Duggan was going to end up in New York. He was going to be serviceable and they were going to win games with him. But I think both of these guys are something that is, frankly, more of a key indicator for success in the NFL than a lot of things. And that is, are you an adult and are you a winner? And how do you handle adversity? Because I would argue, and there's a reason that Super Bowl quarterbacks don't come from Ohio State. They don't come from Alabama. It's because those guys don't face a lot of adversity. And it's not their fault. Like, your team recruits winners. Obviously, but if you're at TCU or if you're at Tennessee, neither one of those teams has been killing it in the recruiting rankings over the last five years. Hooker and Duggan won because they were adults, because they were smart, because they were focused, and because adversity didn't throw them off their game. For some of these guys who go higher in the draft, this is the first time that they're not playing on an all-star team. And that's why I think Hooker and Duggan working for a job, competing for a job, winning a job is going to be nothing new for them and it's not going to throw them off their game at all. I've seen Hooker connected to teams like the Raiders, Duggan connected to two similar teams, but I think again, the biggest key indicator for success in life in the NFL draft is how bad do you want it and what's your level of adversity that you've experienced? And we know it is for both of these guys both of these guys have a great chance to be very good NFL quarterbacks. And I just want to put that out there because I think that's something that not enough people are talking about. Okay, back to the NBA. Um, Yeah, so the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young are getting no respect and they damn well deserve it. So, Trey Young... Goes off. They're down 3-1. Pops off in the final three minutes of that Celtics game last night. I don't know if you watched. But he was attacking. You can say what you want about him. But he was attacking. For a guy who theoretically isn't big enough to be there. Because say what you want about Luka. Or say what you want about Trey Young and Luka Doncic. Luka has no excuse. He's certainly big enough. He just doesn't put himself in good enough shape. Trey Young's not big enough, but he does everything else that he can. Trey Young was attacking like crazy. They went down multiple times. Celtics came back. And Trey Young pops off, does a little shimmy shake, step back three pointer to put the Hawks up to send the game back to Atlanta on uh, Thursday. Here's the funny thing State Farm Arena, where the Hawks play, did not believe in the Atlanta Hawks because. They scheduled a Janet Jackson concert in State Farm Arena for that same night. Which I think is a little uh, 
oh, what's the word? It's a microcosm for how everybody feels about Trey Young. Now, I, we, again, we had this conversation on Monday a little bit that I didn't know for sure if Trey Young's a lock to be top five over the next eight years. I think he's certainly top ten. But how many times, like, if we really have to argue, like, like, let's go back because they got drafted in the same, the same spot, same draft. The comparison between Luka Doncic, Trey Young, and who got the better deal is always going to be there. But let's look. Now, both of these teams are dumpster fires, but let's also say what is real, and that is the Mavericks are better constructed than the Atlanta Hawks. However you want to feel about it, right or wrong, that's the truth. Now, you could argue that went downhill when they traded for Kyrie, got rid of uh, Finney Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie and those guys. That is what it is. But this is the second year in a row... Trey Young has had a coach fired. Second year in a row. And guess what? Both years, they've made the playoffs and won games in the playoffs. You realize that Trey Young has played in 26 playoff games in the last three years. 26. Donovan Mitchell has been in the league for three years longer. Played in 41 playoff games. Just saying. And I would argue that Trey Young's team has not been nearly as good as Donovan Mitchell's teams. I'm not saying that Trey Young is better than Donovan Mitchell, but I am saying look at what he's done with so little. Because really, the Hawks aren't built like that. But yet, Trey Young continues to get them to the playoffs and continues to do what everyone says he can't do, win these playoff games against maybe the best team in the NBA, depending on who you ask. So the respect that State Farm Arena is still not giving the Hawks is the same as the respect that the rest of you are still not giving Trey Young. And I'm telling you, watch him in the final three minutes of that game last night. He deserves more respect. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys. To finish the show today, we're picking games. We are picking games. Um, Just as a disclaimer, I'm not sure that I buy the Nuggets. I think until you do it, I don't buy it. Like, you have to prove to me in the playoffs that you're worth the smoke. And if you want to say, oh, well, the Nuggets have been to a Western Conference final, then this is what my rebuttal is going to be to you. Yeah, well, Zach Wilson was the number two overall pick in the draft. Yeah, well, Baker Mayfield was one play away from beating the Chiefs to go to an AFC title game. Yeah, the Lakers won an NBA championship that same year. I don't trust anything that happened in COVID. Bottom line. I like the Nuggets. I love their roster. I like um, MPJ. I like Aaron Gordon. I love Nikola Jokic. But you have yet to do it outside of COVID where it really counts. So I don't buy it until you do. And to be frank, the Minnesota Timberwolves made that thing a lot closer than it should have been. That's all I have to say. The other cool thing about the NBA is Lakers and Knicks Neither one of them did we really think was going to be that that big of an impact in the playoffs this year. Both made the playoffs. Both up 3-1. Celtics up 3-2. So, it's cool when the Lakers, Celtics, and Knicks are all good. I don't really know what's going on, but it's fun. It's cool. Old school basketball is back. That's what I meant to say on Monday. I think we talked about it a little bit, but it's just fun 
to watch the Cavaliers and the Knicks play basketball because it's significantly different than how the Warriors and the Kings series goes. If you watch the Cavs and Knicks, they aren't out here speed running to get threes every single play. They're playing pound the rock inside. Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, are neither one of them are shooting threes. They're just pounding the rock. And it's fun basketball. But yes, we have four games tonight. And we're going to do some pick them. So, first game. Warriors at Kings. Tonight, the Kings win, but it's going to be another nail-biter. Obviously, De'Aaron Fox has a fractured finger. He says he's going to play anyway. The Warriors are breaking the road stigma. Playoff basketball is different, so it doesn't worry me that much because as we're seeing, a lot of things we thought were locks have not been. We thought the Hawks were bad. They're not terrible. We thought that the Suns were going to run away with the NBA NBA title. They struggled a little bit. They played close games every single time with the with the Clippers. So, playoff basketball is different. Some bad regular season habits go out the window. I think the Kings are going to win tonight. I don't know that De'Aaron Fox is going to have the playoff performance despite being injured that people think he will. But I do think Mike Brown is smart enough to figure out a way for them to still win this game tonight. Heat out Milwaukee. So right now, just like Warriors-Kings, Heat are up 3-1. Warriors are up 3-1. Or, sorry, 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 2-2. My apologies. But the Heat are up 3-1 on Milwaukee. The Bucks are going to win tonight. It's in Milwaukee. Oladipo is likely done. And the best player in the league in Giannis Antetokounmpo is not getting a gentleman swept at home. This team is way too good for that. They find a way to slow Jimmy Butler down and win the game tonight. Knicks at Cavaliers. Now, as much as I want to pick a gentleman sweep for the Knicks, I just think it makes more sense that the Cavs win. I think Donovan Mitchell is hearing a lot of talk and getting tired of the narrative that he cannot do it in the playoffs. They're at home. I think he's going to go off, go for 40. They're going to win. The Knicks close the series out next game. Lakers at Grizzlies. This is the series I did not see going this way. But the Grizzlies are going to win tonight. It's in Memphis. Anthony Davis has not been all-time great. Now, some of these guys have, these young guys like Austin Reeves have really shown up. Those guys are going to have to be big tonight because I think Anthony Davis and LeBron are going to hold back a little bit because they have a quick turnaround before their next game in LA. And I think they know they have a better chance filling it out in LA than they do finishing it out tonight. And if they give everything tonight and lose, that puts them in a trap game situation for Friday. So, we're going Warriors win or Kings win, Bucks win, Cavs win, Grizzlies win. That's how tonight's gonna go. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Enjoy the NFL draft tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of this first round of NBA playoff basketball before the teams slow down a little bit. Have a good rest of your weekend. We will talk on Monday. Cheers. Woo.